Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Of that uh, that in song what a joy. <laughs> sure, is he worthy? He most certainly is. What a incredible savior. We sing praises and worship to you. Friends, can you turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs? It's roughly in the middle of your Bible. The book of Proverbs, maybe a little bit to the left. Proverbs and then Psalms and other passages. Uh, my bad. Psalms and then Proverbs and then other passages. We're in Proverbs chapter 4. We've been working through it uh, for a number of weeks now. We find ourselves in the fourth chapter of the book of Proverbs, we're only going to look at the first nine verses of Proverbs chapter 4 this evening. We'll close it off to the end of the chapter next week. I'm reminded again that this is a spiritual exercise and we would be wise this evening to start by bowing our heads before Almighty God and praying to Him. Let's pray. To him. Father God in heaven, again this evening, as before, we confess that your word is faithful and true, that it is without error, that it is sufficient for all matters of life and for godliness. We are reminded again this evening that we are like grass and our glories are like the flowers of the field, the grass that withers, the flowers fall, but your word stands forever. We love your word, Lord God. Indeed, you love your word. You've magnified it. You've elevated it. You've extolled it. But we love it in particular because in its pages we see Jesus Jesus Christ, and in him we have eternal life. And so this evening, once again, as we read a passage of scripture, thousands of years old and so practical, we ask that you would open our eyes once again, that we, your people, would see Jesus, that we would hear his voice And as sheep, we would respond to the shepherd's call that you would be glorified in this place. All these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at the first verse, reading to the ninth verse, hear the word of God. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, 
Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. And she will exalt you. She will honor you. If you embrace her, she will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Just so far in the reading of God's word. Amen. Friends, by way of introduction, we live in a knowledge generation. We know stuff. We know data. We all, I would imagine, predominantly work with data to some degree or another. I was reminiscing this afternoon of uh, my first computer. I got an IBM uh, PC. It was one of the first home computers when I was six years old. My dad, well, my dad got it, but it was mine because I got to play my games on it. Um, the, the year that we got it, we had one hard drive. It was 126 kilobytes. The, the following year, we upgraded our PC and put in a second floppy disk drive, another 128 kilobytes so that we could read two disks at once. I was very fancy. We were like on the street. Everybody would come and play games at my house. The following year, we upgraded it a third time and we got a hard drive. You guys have no idea. The hard drive was like the size of this Bible and it was, I'm not even joking, five megabytes. (laughs) We didn't know what we were going to do with all the space, honestly. We loaded everything that we had on it. I loaded up Police Quest and Space Quest and Heroes Quest and I ran out again. Everything was on and we had megabytes and megabytes left over. We didn't know what we were going to do with all of this space. I was curious, thinking about knowledge and thinking about the proliferation of knowledge in our society. And I I was thinking about how much knowledge is out there. Astrophysicists probably use the biggest data sets out there, guys that take photos of the cosmos. Um, Maybe they understand this number. It is a zettabyte, a zettabyte. Do you know how much data there is out there on the internet presently as of, well, 2023, so cresting into 2024? 147 zettabytes. Now you go, well, that doesn't sound that a lot, that's 147. A zettabyte is a thousand exabytes. You go, okay, well, then it's 147 times a thousand, but you're thinking in gigabytes now, because that's what you've got on your iPhone or your phone at home. Well, an exabyte is one trillion gigabytes. 
And a gigabyte is obviously a thousand megabytes, and a thousand megabytes is a kilobyte, and that was that hard, that little floppy disk that I had when I was a kid. There is a proliferation of knowledge in our society, and it's just getting more and more and more. But what we're not seeing is a, um, uh, an equal, corresponding amount of wisdom in our society. We are the knowledge generation, but we are not the wisdom generation. If you want proof of that, those of you who are students, in the following weeks to come, there's going to be hazing at Rares, and there's going to be kids coming from all over the country to study at Tooks and at other campuses all over the city. These are the cream of the crop of the academic crop of South Africa with university exemptions coming to study the university degrees, doing medicine and doing astrophysics and doing BAs and all kinds of other things. And you are going to see some of the least wise decisions being made over the next two weeks that could possibly be imagined. Because while we know a lot of stuff as a society, we are not a wise bunch of people. Now often when we think of the Bible, we think, but those guys had it. Um, We might know a lot. In fact, we certainly know more than them, surely. Um, But they had wisdom in ways that maybe we don't have today. Just not true. The guy that wrote the book of Proverbs is King Solomon. King Solomon collected information. He was a knowledge magnet, known throughout the world as the most knowledgeable, insightful man of his day. But guess what? Not too unlike us. All the knowledge in the world didn't keep him from missing the point of life. If you want to see him completely missing the point of life, his own testimony of that, you can go and read the book of Ecclesiastes, which is chapter upon chapter of how he missed the point. Gets to his old age and recognizes that all of the knowledge that he had in his mind, he misspent. And he misspent it in grievous ways. Solomon sinned in ways that possibly with all of our lack of wisdom, we might not even get up to in our day and age. My point is this. Wisdom is more than knowledge. And I want to give you a working definition for wisdom. I kind of have made this up over years. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I have no doubt that others use something similar. Uh, But this is my definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the right application of the right knowledge at the right time. Wisdom is the right application of the right knowledge at the right time. And this evening, I want us to ask a question, well, I want us to ask a question from the text that I think the text explains and answers comprehensively. Why chase wisdom? Why chase wisdom? And I'm going to give you the answer right up front. Chase wisdom because there is an eternal reward for pursuing the right thing. Chase wisdom because there is an eternal reward for chasing the right thing. Now, this is a three-point sermon. 
Uh, the last couple of sermons that I've preached have been like five points and six points, so I'm glad to get back to a Baptist sermon. This is going to be a three-point sermon tonight. The first point is found in Proverbs chapter 4 from verse 1 to 4. Proverbs chapter 4 from verse 1 to 4. I'd like to give it a heading so that you've got a hook to hang it on, and it is this. The source of wisdom. Not the source, pasta, that you put on your food. The source is in the where you get wisdom from, the source of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. I'm going to read it one more time, and uh, I'm going to give you a very high-level view of what I think these first four verses are saying. I'm going to explain it uh, rapidly. Let me tell you what it's saying. From generation to generation, you're a generation. From generation to generation, attentive sons, now you might go, okay, that's a bit, patriarchal, and we'll get to that in a moment when we principalize the text, but let's just look at what it's saying for the meantime. From generation to generation, attentive sons must hear and be attentive to the instruction of godly fathers to live. Okay, let's see if you can see it in the text. It's right behind me. You might be able to spot all of that even before I get to the end. Let me read it. Hear, O sons. A father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son, my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Just so far to the end of verse 4. Let me tell you the the, the big idea, and then we'll just work through that, that big idea one phrase at a time. It's saying, from generation to generation, attentive sons must hear and be attentive to the instruction of godly fathers to live from generation to generation. It's very interesting as you read this text. Uh, There's three generations, at least, that are spoken of. Maybe you can spot them even before I point them out. Uh, Firstly, there's the writer. Let's make him the guy in the middle, Solomon. Um, He's the writer of this section of the book of Proverbs. And he's writing here... O sons, now we've got a second generation, these sons of Solomon. And you go, okay, well that's interesting, particularly if you've been paying attention up to now in the book of Proverbs, because up until now he's been addressing a single son, the heir to his throne. He's been giving him the kind of wisdom that a king might need to rule, but now he opens it up and he's speaking to his children collectively, here, O sons. The sons of Solomon were very, very many. We have three recorded for us in Scripture. They were Rehoboam, he was the guy that was a disaster, um, Shammai and uh, Shabab, uh, interesting names. Um, but Solomon had like hundreds of wives and hundreds upon hundreds of concubines. And so uh, there would have been a plethora of children to his names. Right now, Solomon, the middle generation, is addressing his sons collectively. So it's a a broader audience than up to now in the book of Proverbs. 
the third generation, he refers to in verse three. When I was a son with my father, and then he says, my father, in verse four, he taught me and said to me, in other words, I've received teaching that came from my father, it came to me, and now I'm teaching you, and God willing, you will go and teach others, and so forth, and so on. From generation to generation is the point that I'm lifting from the text. From generation to generation, attentive sons. There's an expectation here in this text. There's only two commands, imperatives, things that you need to obey. These aren't suggestions, these are commands. And the two commands are there. Maybe you can spot them in the text before I say them. They're found in verse one. And the first is hear, hear. You are commanded, O sons, to hear. And the second is be attentive. You are commanded, O sons, to give attention. Solomon is saying in this text that from generation to generation, attentive sons must hear and be attentive to what? Well, to instruction. It says that in verse one, hero sons are father's instructions. But I do want to draw out to you how many synonyms he uses for instruction in these first four verses. Take a look with me in verse one. It says instruction. Take a look in verse two. It says precepts. And in verse two, again, it says teaching. Take a look in verse four. It says he taught and said to me. And toward the end of verse four, my words and my commands. From generation to generation, attentive sons must hear and be attentive to instruction. And this instruction comes from this father to these children in a diverse range of ways. I find it most interesting that the various different words that he's using here relate to the words which God uses for Scripture in great Psalms like Psalm 19 and Psalm 119. Uh, The first word here is the word Shema. Um, The last word, commandments, uh, is the word Torah. And so we see over and over again, he's saying, my word, Solomon, has an understanding that his words are indeed scripture to his children. He's elevating the teaching that he is giving them to the same level as God's word. From generation to generation, attentive sons must hear and be attentive to the instructions of godly fathers. Godly fathers. Now, Solomon was a father, and at times he was an incredibly godly man, but not always. That might be your experience as well. For some of you, you have godly fathers who have opened God's word to you and read from God's word and explained the meaning of God's word and applied it to all of life in ways that you can understand. And for you, I'm grateful. I'm sure you are grateful. Praise God for godly fathers. But friends, for some of you, you might have had rubbish fathers. Fathers who did not open God's word. Fathers who couldn't have cared about what God's word said about anything of life and had no desire to pass on from one generation the next anything that God had to say into your life. And for you, I'm sad. But at the same time, what you have is a witness and a testimony which is true. 
a witness of a father who is speaking God's word to children that need to hear it. You are no less commanded to pay attention to what this is saying than anybody else. Verse 1 to 4 is really teaching us that from generation to generation, attentive sons must hear and be attentive to the instruction of godly fathers to live, to live. That word life is at the very end of verse 4, and it's incredibly important. You will hear a common theme throughout all of God's word. There are two paths. There are two ways to live. There's the path of the wicked and the path of the unrighteous and a path which leads to death. And there's a path of holiness and righteousness and a path that leads to life. What Solomon is saying is, child, hear the words of a father that cares for you. A father who has heard from one generation, David, Solomon's father, and he's passing it on to the next. Pay attention, give your ear, and be attentive to these instructions to the scripture. And if you do, you will choose the right path, you will live. How? How do you hear wisdom. Can I give you two ways that you can hear wisdom that I think you can take out of this text relatively easy? And the first is this. You can hear wisdom from godly mentors, from godly mentors. This text speaks about fathers, but for a moment, principalize it. And it's true of mothers. Solomon mentions his mother in this text. And it's true of elders and of pastors and of Bible study leaders and of mature saints that God brings into your life that you might be discipled by them. How do you hear wisdom? Number one, godly mentors. Number two, God's word. Instructions, precepts, teachings, words, commandments. If you want wisdom... If you want to pursue wisdom to live, you will find wisdom in God's word. I see that in this text. Two things that I don't see in this text, but I want to offer them to you because I see them in other texts. And so just to mention them briefly is God's spirit. God's spirit is revealed in the book of Isaiah chapter 11 as the spirit of wisdom. And then Jesus Christ, the son of God, is the personification of wisdom. We will get to him in a moment. New converts, you need to be discipled. You need to be discipled. For those of you who are far from home, maybe you have a godly father who's been opening God's word and explaining to you its meaning for many, many years. Praise the Lord. But you need to be discipled while you're far from home. And so hook into the church. Find a Bible study. Find a leader who you can sit with and sit under and learn from and engage with in all of life. Yeah, while you are in Pretoria. Believers and old saints, I don't mean to put a burden on you, but this is a command of Jesus Christ. You are to make disciples. And so if there are young people in our church that need to be discipled, and there are young people in our church that need to be discipled, who do you think is going to do the discipling? Well, it's us. 
Jesus doesn't say to Charles, the senior pastor at Central Baptist Church um, in Pretoria, Charles, make disciples. Well, he does in the singular. But the command to make disciples is given to all of the church. It is a great commandment that requires all of the church to fulfill. And so for those of you who are mature in the Christian faith, please make sure that you find your place in the discipleship continuum here in our church. If you're struggling with that, come and speak to me. That's our first point, the source of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4. Here's the second point, the pursuit of wisdom. The pursuit of wisdom. And yeah, we're going to look from verse 5 to verse 7. The pursuit of wisdom. Let me tell you what it's saying at a very high level, and then we will read the text. It's saying, vigorously pursue wisdom and insight as a lifelong, passionate, beneficial, single Minded priority. Let's read the text. Maybe you can see everything in that sentence before I get to the end. It says in verse 5 get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth, do not forsake her. And she will keep you. And she will guard you. Love her. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Let me give you the high level again. Maybe you can piece it together now that we've read it. It's on the board behind me. Vigorously pursue wisdom and insight as a lifelong, passionate, beneficial, single-minded priority. Let's work through that briefly. Firstly, vigorously pursue. Vigorously pursue. Well, there's only three imperatives, three commands, three things that you must do in these three verses. And it's kind of easy because these three commands... Is actually just one word that is repeated three times. That's like a dead giveaway. Except in the English, we've got it repeated a couple more, but a couple of them aren't verbs. I'm just looking at the imperative verbs. And the verb is get. Get wisdom, get insight in verse 5, and then in verse 7, get wisdom again. That is what we are to Do And it's repeated over and over again, indicating the veracity that the writer expects us to go about the pursuit of both wisdom and insight. Get, vigorously pursue. In fact, the word get, by the way, um, carries with it the connotation of purchasing. Um, That's the root of the word. And so the idea is that that the purchase of wisdom, the getting of wisdom, the vigorously pursuing of wisdom is going to cost you something. It's worth putting something down to get something out. Get wisdom and get insight. Vigorously pursue wisdom and insight. Wisdom, I've already said, is the right knowledge rightly applied at the right time. Insight is, is understanding. 
It's understanding what's going on behind the thing that you've got right in front of your face. It, it's a type of discernment. You're to get wisdom. You're to get insight. And you're to do this as a lifelong pursuit. A lifelong pursuit. Uh, look at the negatives uh, in verse 5 and then verse 6. Do not forget. Do not turn away. Uh, that word is abandon. Uh, do not turn away and do not forsake her. This is something that you're not to do today and then tomorrow you can take a break. No, wisdom you pursue today, tomorrow, forever as an ongoing pursuit, a lifelong commitment and it is a passionate commitment. If you want wisdom, you need to passionately long for her, passionately, go about passionately to find her. It says in our text that you are to love her. Do not forsake her and she will keep watch for her. Love her and she will guard you. Vigorously pursue wisdom and insight as a lifelong, passionate and beneficial pursuit. Wisdom is benefits. They're described in two ways in this text. It says do not forsake, forsake her, that's in the negative, and she will keep or a watch over you. She will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. The bottom line is, if you are young and you want to know what will give you a good life, a happy life, pursue wisdom as a lifelong activity that you are passionate about. Love wisdom. And when you find her, you will be kept and you will be Guarded because there are benefits that come from pursuing wisdom. And friends, you need to do this as a single-minded activity. By single-mindedness, I don't mean that you forget about everything else in your life, everything else in your spiritual life. But there is a sense that this does need to be a single-minded priority in your life. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. That's the single-mindedness of this. You need this. And so pursue this with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Make it a priority, uh, the beginning of wisdom, the start of wisdom, the priority of wisdom is this, get wisdom <laughs> and get insight. Vigorously pursue wisdom and insight as a lifelong, passionate, beneficial, single-minded priority. I want to encourage you here, in a knowledge-based society, it often becomes what you know that advances you in our world. But when I look at the three verbs, the three imperatives, the three commands in these three verses, get, get, and get, it implies to me that it does not require brains or opportunity to get wisdom, but decision. Do you want it, a commentator says, then come and get it, is what the author is implying. Make the decision to pursue wisdom today. That's our second point. Just an application though, seekers and new converts. As you read through this text, do realize that the wisdom that you are to get comes from the divine 
And be, so be careful which well you draw wisdom from. There is a worldly wisdom and there is a divine wisdom and you have a bucket. The well that you drop that bucket down will determine the wisdom that you bring up. Believers and old saints, as you read this passage, get, get, get. Do not forsake, do not forget, do not turn away. The message to you is that you need to stick to your original pursuit of wisdom. I don't know about you, but when I first came to Christ, I was on fire. (laughs) It was such a burning desire to know more about God that it changed my entire life, flipped the whole thing upside down. One of the things that happened was I I used to, I I was in IT and so I was used to deadlines. I, I stayed up late at night and I programmed and when I wasn't programming, I stayed up late and I played games. Um, but I stopped doing that and I started reading my Bible after 10. I'd read my Bible from 10 o'clock until 1 o'clock and set my alarm for 4 o'clock. And I did that for five years after I came to Christ. Reading God's Word, pursuing God's Word, drawing from the well of God's Word. When I read this passage, old saint and believer, that fire that God gave you at the beginning of your salvation is a fire that needs to burn even presently. If you want wisdom, do not forsake her. Do not turn your back on her and do not forget her, but pursue her as a lifelong, passionate, beneficial, single-minded priority. Third point, the reward of wisdom. The last two verses, the reward of wisdom. This one's a little bit quicker a much shorter synopsis. Prize wisdom and receive honor. Embrace her and receive reward. Prize, wis- prize wisdom and receive honor. Embrace her and receive reward. Maybe you'll spot everything that I'm about to say before I even get to it as we read through the text. Read with me from verse 8. Prize her highly and she will exalt you She will honor you. If you embrace her, she will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Just so far in the reading of God's word. Firstly, prize wisdom. Prize means esteem. Highly value wisdom. Uh, This is under the, the, um, the heading of Reward, the reward of wisdom. But the reward of wisdom comes to those who prize wisdom highly, who value wisdom highly. If you do that, you will be exalted. That's the surprise in this text. You will be lifted up. You will be honored. Secondly, embrace her. Again, there's quite a lot of metaphoric language in this portion of Proverbs uh, that implies wedding kind of metaphor. But right now, it's the idea of embracing wisdom, holding onto her, clutching onto her because she is loved by you and she is valuable by you and she is esteemed by you. And in exchange, you will receive a reward. She will place on your head a graceful garland 
she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. The, the Greek um, uh, Septuagint, uh, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, translates this particular passage. And it translates both the garland and the beautiful crown using uh, one word, Stephanas. Um, it's the word that we in English translate to crown, but it's a common word in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we are introduced to a number of crowns, and they are always, in every example, a reward that is given to believers. There is the crown that is imperishable. And you can read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The imperishable crown. There is the crown of life which is in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. The crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, and the crown of glory. As I read here in Proverbs chapter 4, I read of a graceful garland and a beautiful crown. Both words come from the picture of a laurel wreath. Uh, a wreath that is given to a person who has run a race. Uh, think of the Olympics. That kind of imagery uh, exists even today. Uh, the person who, who comes first in the marathon is given a wreath on their head, uh, a garland, a graceful garland, a beautiful crown. That same word, the same idea in both the New Testament and in, in the Old The idea in the New Testament is this beautiful crown which is given to you is an imperishable crown. Unlike the wreaths of this world that will fade and diminish and fall away, the wreath that Jesus Christ gives us is an eternal reward that none will take. It is life. It is righteousness. It is glory. It is a crown and it causes us much rejoicing. Friends, when you think of the reward of wisdom, I want you to think of Jesus because this is the easiest way that this text gets us to Christ. The New Testament in Colossians chapter 2, the end of verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3 says God's mystery In other words, something which was hidden in the past, but it has been revealed in the present, which is Christ. So this is speaking of Jesus Christ. Is he in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. For those of you who desire to pursue wisdom in this life, Wisdom, true wisdom, wisdom which comes from above must lead you to the address of Jesus Christ because he is the ultimate source of wisdom. But not only is he the ultimate source of wisdom, Jesus is the actual embodiment of wisdom. You can read in uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30, Christ Jesus has become to us the wisdom from God. If you want wisdom, you must find Jesus. As I read this text, 
as I see in this final reward, I think of two types of people. Those who are foolish and reject wisdom and those who ultimately will be God-glorifying and pursue and embrace and highly esteem wisdom. Fools will receive the opposite of the reward which is mentioned in this text. They will receive dishonor rather than honor. And they will receive judgment rather than a beautiful crown. But friends, there is another way. A way which leads to life. A way which leads to eternal life. A way which leads to righteousness. A way which leads to rejoicing. A way which leads to glory. And it goes through the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the wisdom of God came into this world and unlike the world expected, considered foolishness by everyone who gazed upon it, the wisdom of eternity went to a cross and died for the sins of humanity. Jesus died that you might live. But not only that, he who can give you the crown of life rose from the grave and has the power to bestow upon you abundant life in this life and eternal life in the world to come. And this evening, he says, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Call upon his name. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will live. This beautiful crown which is given to those who pursue true wisdom will be given to you, that God might be glorified in you and that you might experience all the blessings that are in Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. So much knowledge, and yet it comes down to this. Faced with a simple proposition believe in Jesus and live, reject Jesus, and judgment will be yours. Father God, even this evening, would you open the eyes of the blind? Would you grant life? to the dead and would you be glorified as your saints are built up by your word these things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior Amen Thank you for listening to this sermon find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za